Our special guest today is a fantastic athlete. Owen Everard is an Irish international runner, a sub four minute miler, five time national champion and has sub 14 minutes for 5K and sub 30 minutes for 10K. He is the current 3K European Indoor Masters Champion, has a PhD in biomechanics. He is a chartered physio. He may not be on the high mountains very often, but he is an expert in all things running. So let's get ready for a masterclass with Owen Everard. Owen, thanks a million for coming on the Trail Running Ireland podcast. I know you're maybe not used to being up in the Highlands with us. Uh, normally, you're on the flats running as fast as you can, picking up maybe a couple of national titles on the way. So, so thanks a million for joining us up in the mountains for this podcast. Owen, thanks so much for having me on. Really looking forward to this. We would have uh, had some battles on the track before we went to more longer distances. So, um, you know, great to catch up. Yeah, I was looking up earlier on, Owen, and it was 2006 when we were in a an 800 meter final together. And I'll test your I'll test your memory, Banks. Now, and can you remember your own result, Owen, that day, 2006, 800 meter final? Yeah, I came third. I think uh, Thomas Chamney won, and Dave Campbell was second. Spot on, spot on, absolutely. And why I'm really looking forward to, to talking to you today, Owen, is because. That was what nearly nearly 20 years ago now, what about 16, 17 years ago. But you had this incredible career. And I don't know maybe if that was one of your first years in the senior ranks, but you went on, as I mentioned there, five national championships, sub four minute mile, sub 14 minutes over 5K, sub 30 over 10K, and more, more recently, a, a European Masters indoor title. And you're still running because if you look at that field, there's probably less of that field of 10 runners that are still running today. Um, Joe Warren is one of the guys that we ran that day. He was just in ahead of me, I think maybe sixth or seventh. And Joe, you might have seen, he won the Eco Trail in 2019. So he did venture into the mountains. So really looking forward to just, you know, learning from all the experience and all the races that you've ran. And of course, your study zone as well which are very impressive too. And we, we thought that we'd go through maybe a whole mixed bag of areas just to try and get as much knowledge as we can from you. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Like, obviously, it's a slightly different um, audience than normal, but running is running and a lot of the same things apply. Um, trail running, in fairness, actually has a couple of benefits over your classic longer running in, in the fact that um, you do have to pay attention to where you're landing. You do change your foot stride and that variety can really, really help people. But yeah, there's a lot of things I think we can, will benefit people um, regardless of the distance, regardless of what they do. And I know a lot of people who trail run will also do kind of marathons or ultra marathons. So it's just a piece of advice we can give, say, for injury prevention. So, yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's kick off on, say, with I, I reckon a lot of trail runners, they're probably they're probably into their 30s, into their 40s and beyond who have maybe they might have done some road races starting off and maybe drifted onto the mountains as the years go by. And and I touched on it there. You're still running so well. Um, is it into your late thirties, maybe, Owen, at this stage? And so maybe we could start off and just uh, training well as a masters athlete. Um, what what has worked very well for you over the last couple of years? That you know you went on to become a European 
Masters Championship and, and still running so well on the roads of Ireland and, and, and on the tracks as well. Yeah, I think that I think the key thing, Owen, is um, that you can train like you did in your 20s. A lot of people make that mistake. They try to stay training like they did or they had certain workouts they like to do or maybe at a certain distance you like to cover say in your runs and you gotta you gotta adapt your training and just because you're training different doesn't necessarily mean you will be you'll be racing worse like yes you might you mightn't have the same recovery capacity or you mightn't have the same kind of power but you'll get a lot more like strength you'll have a lot more aerobic uh, strength as well as kind of physical strength as you get older. So you have different strengths and different weaknesses when you get older. And, you know, you can't you can't just do it the exact same way and think you're going to get the same re- results. And in fact, a lot of times that lead to like an injury or overtraining. You probably have a lot more demand. So I think adapting the training you're doing, you know, accepting that like, like I, I would do a lot more sports Pilates now. I would only do two workouts in the week. Um, I do it a lot more like heart raced and minutes based because I don't want to have to like hit times or hit like paces because, you know, yourself, you've got like young kids, uh, you got, you got a, a job, you know, these are all stresses that you potentially didn't even have in your twenties when you might be able to go for a nap and, um, you know, just you can really concentrate on the session. So I think there are a couple of things like, you know, dropping from, say, three three sessions a week to two sessions a week, doing like time and heart rate based training. So trying to do more by feel and then, you know, changing the type of sessions, as I said, not like maybe reaching as hard as I used to, knowing that I have a lot of the strength and work accumulated in the bank um, and trusting that then. Yeah, I think a big um, point that you made there was, say, coming away from the miles per week. How many miles per week have you ran? And um, coming away from that and focusing on on minutes and heart rate. And it's something that I found for myself has worked really, really well. And another point you mentioned there, which I totally get, is reducing your three sessions per week, which we all did, say, back in the track days. And I remember even when I was running 800 metres, it, it was in my first couple of years as a proper runner, if you like. And to be honest, I probably wasn't even ready for three sessions per week in those early years. I probably could have done with four or five years of proper aerobic training before trying to, you know, lash out a session on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday where now I might do a session on, say, a Saturday and absolutely wait until the Tuesday or Wednesday, and then that's it. And the other days are just mileage. I don't know if you found that the same massive, massive benefit for me, own anyway, of reducing that down from three to two. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And as you said, like, I think there is benefit for that even, um, you know, even, even for more elite runners because some of them if you are doing three sessions it's grand if you are an an 800 meter runner but if you even are starting to go towards 5k 10k there's an argument there where if you're doing three hard sessions your other runs have to be very slow like and you might have to reduce the distance so you you kind of are um sacrificing the aerobic base you can build but like 100 you need to have that extra recovery you know brian maher he's 45 has nearly all the over 40s records he would have been who i would have got that from you know dropping down from the three sessions to two sessions allows you to recover you can run easier you're still doing your runs on the other days 
but you you just need to have that little bit more recovery time another thing i added in was a rest day on a friday always and then as i said like some it doesn't have to be pilates it could be you know maybe a strength in the gym or maybe you like yoga but something outside of running as well um just to kind of rebalance your body i think i think you, you need to just look at the program that you're doing and making sure that it's kind of working for you yeah um Owen, you're phenomenally fast you always have been over the years do, do you keep in touch with your speed all throughout the year with say even if you're in the aerobic base building um stage are you still adding in strides is something that myself and Rennie have spoken about before in the podcast just the importance to touch on speed all year round or, or do you maybe give your body a bit of a break from it in certain points of the year no like obviously yeah exactly i would do strides nearly all year like you have your break where you take two three weeks off um you know completely and then go into maybe two or three weeks of like easier running and you know less structured training so like that's where you take a break from strides and other types of running but in in the most part exactly like you're saying and i think that's so important for trail runners you know i'm a chartered physio as well even from an injury prevention point of view if you're doing longer running, um, a lot of running injuries are passive injuries, like they're plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendonitis, knee pain. And that's a lot of times because there's an over-reliance on the passive structures of the body, like the ligaments, the tendons, and the joints. So by just even adding strides, one, it improves your running economy. Like, you know, if you have to go back and you're doing eight, nine, 10 minute miles, if you're doing strides that are hitting like say five minute mile, six minute mile pace, all of a sudden, like, you know, nine minute miles or eight minute miles in the roads or they, it just feels a lot easier because your body's used to running quicker. Um, and also you're increasing, you're changing the range of motion that you're doing. And strides are also never like force these. They should always be like just just intentionally trying to pick it up a little bit. I'd never force these, never try hit a certain time or try feel like you're overly forcing it like 90% would be the max ever but just intentionally picking up will also activate the core it'll activate the muscles way more which essentially will wake them up and will help you when you're just doing more of your longer running and um yeah you're you're kind of like mild stuff it'll have them the muscles more primed it'll have it feeling easier and as you said it doesn't have to be set speed work where people are absolutely flogging themselves it's the op- opposite of that it's just do it where you're taking longer recoveries or just do strides after your run and again those strides should be especially if you haven't done them before it might they mightn't be at all much quicker than you're running but it just gets you used to trying intentionally to increase the range of motion that you're doing yeah, you mentioned Pilates own as well, and you have a very good online course that's available for people to sign up to. Um, I'm a big believer in it as well. And when when runners often ask me, "Oh, own, should I be doing strength work?" I nearly actually say to them at this stage, "Well, you know, how about trying some Pilates first, <laughs> because that is so important just to keep the body loose, to to keep the body um, nimble." And you don't actually maybe realize that you're actually adding to your core work by doing Pilates as well. I found it really useful for keeping injuries away. In terms of Pilates, I know you're a big believer in it. You teach it. I'm sure you advise it to all your patients there. Maybe talk to us a little bit about how you how you came across Pilates and, and how much you use it and why you recommend it so, so strongly. Yeah, no, like I do have, a, I have, of course, you can try a free trial in it. 
uh, if you go to everwherepilates.com. So bear that in mind because it's like if I was a butcher and I'm talking about diet advice, I am going to be like talking about eat meat, you know, so um, yeah. I am biased. But what, why I came into it was in my late 20s, I started getting um, in particular this hip injury. It, I call a runner's hip. It was like just my my pelvis and my SI joint wasn't moving that well. And it felt like my hip was completely caught. So um, Pilates was something that I really enjoyed that kind of really helped that. And why I met sports Pilates then was that I found that like traditional Pilates can be a little bit too much like on the ground. That's great. You need to learn those moves, but then you want to get into standing and do actions that replicate kind of running. So you're kind of, again, activating the muscles to uh, take pressure off the joints. So essentially once you wake these muscles up, they're woken up then they'll naturally take pressure off the joints when you're running. Um, I reckon like it's anything just to wake the muscles up or change the variety. So you could do yoga, you can do Pilates, you can do strength training. Why I do, why I do Pilates is I only want to do like, it's kind of a grudge. Um, it's a grudge thing. I'll always go out for my run, but I just actually, I never just naturally will go to the gym or naturally do Pilates. So I, I do it once a week just to stay injury free. So if I wanted us to be completely healthy, I probably, you know, do the gym as well two two times a week or with my Pilates. But I just kind of came up with it where it's 45 minutes and it's really just to burn the muscles, get things switched on, get it moving better. Um, also, if you're in the gym, just make sure you have a good movement. Say Alvermail has this hierarchy, which is essentially like, you want to have good movement first. Then you want to be doing exercises in the gym um, that are like three by 10 or three by 12. Because what you have to do is like, like essentially like toughen up your tendons, get the, get your joints and your body like used to the type of movements and putting weight on your body to get used to that. So doing things like say 10 to 15 times, you know, if it's squats or single leg deadlifts or stuff like that. Once you have a good, once you're able to do the movements correctly, and then you can start building actually like strength with like heavier weights, etc. So why I pick Pilates for a lot of people and for myself, it's like, it's the first base of that pyramid. It gets it moving. We activate the muscles a lot, especially around the hips, um, balance is again to help with like Achilles pain. Um, and then that's the first step. So then if you wanted to move on to the gym, you have like the first layer done that you have all the good movement patterns. So it's safer to go to the gym. Uh, if you, if you feel like you can move quite well, like go to the gym, if that's what you prefer, uh, yoga, just make sure you are doing some like muscle activation as well as the joint mobility work. But, uh, anything like that is needed just to add that variety in and like a session once a week will be enough just to try keep you injury free. But, as you get into your thirties, your forties, your fifties and beyond, like it's you, your recovery capacity is less. So in your twenties, you can get away with, you know, the stress that you're placing just from running because you're, mm. you're naturally recovering, but in your like thirties or forties and beyond, you just need to be helping your body out. And by helping your body out, we just want to switch on the muscles so that there's less recovery for the joints to do. If that yeah. makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I often find that I try and squeeze in my Pilates just before I go out the door. 
I might try and do 10 to 15 minutes of those type of activation exercises. And it just means my first mile or two are going to be that much more comfortable, a little bit quicker than just a standing start. And and since I started running them and doing them rather, and then running in the hills as well, my rate of injury has just gone right down. And if I have time then I'm going to, on a Friday, like you said, to do maybe a 45 minute complete session. Absolutely. But if not, at least I'm getting maybe say three or four times a week before my runs, 10 or 15 minutes. And if you add them all up, well then there's an hour of Pilates done every week. Just Exactly. Oh, and that's the way it is. It's like, just do like, people always ask me like, what's the best way to do it when you're busy. It's like, the great thing with this is it's it's like that 80-20 rule. It's, as long as you're getting, as you said, about 45 to an hour a week, if that's in 15-minute blocks, if that's in one block that you just do on a Friday or a Monday or some day, it doesn't matter. Like you're you're you've done the work there. What you um all it is is just getting it in. And I I never try to give people like the best time to do things. Like I like to do it, as I said before before i go out as well because i know if i come back i'll be tired i I probably won't want to do it so it's just an easier thing just to do before you go Mm. but there's no best time it's just whatever works for you because i sometimes if you feel like if you give people like this is the ideal time you can nearly make an excuse in your head of like well i don't have the time to do that therefore i'll do nothing where like what you said is is perfect as one complete session if you do 10 minutes before you go out, run three or four times a week. Happy days. Yeah. And, you know, I'll probably even throw it in um, to the couple of minutes post run as well, because I just find it really relaxing. You know, you turn on a podcast, you come in the door and rather than just going straight back into busy life again, just another 10, 15 minutes of just bouncing around the living room, whatever it might be. And then that just sets you up nicely for the rest of the day. If you have time, of course. And um, you mentioned Owen as well um, about static stretching. And that while a lot of people might think, oh, no, I've read enough articles, I've heard enough podcasts, and I'm going to I'm going to stay away from static stretching because I'm doing all my Pilates and yoga and so on. But you just mentioned just in our notes that we were discussing before we came on that it's not maybe necessarily such a bad thing. And, and even in a warm up that a static stretch can be beneficial. Yeah, like when people say they've read these articles, they haven't read them. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, there's such a you see the problem with research right and i I have a phd you know it's like but so when you get into it you realize like the problem with a lot of research is because it has to be so controlled it's it's like one the people doing it are either not that practical or two it has to be so controlled it does it can't be that practical you know because you have to make sure it's that one particular factor so if you take that static stretching as an example um in that study like what what they would do is someone would hold like say a static stretch for like a minute or two minutes and then they would get on a force plate and try to jump or they would just go and sprint straight away while another mm-hmm. group would like do dynamic stretches and then do their jump. Now yeah. you've done marathons, eight, races from 800s to like ultra trail runs. Have you ever seen anyone on a line that when the guy's about to start to go, okay guys, two minutes and he just goes down and touches his toes or her, her toes for two minutes. Yeah, and then sure. like on your marks, he comes up and then you go. 
Yeah. And you know what? The, the one time that I did do something like that, the listeners might remember a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned um, just what I think it was before Christmas or just after Christmas. Uh, my hamstring was a bit tight from playing football uh, with my son. And they had an open day in his training session. And of course, runners going to play football at, at our age. It's an absolute recipe for disaster. But anyway, the, the next day I had, a I think, a 10 by 400 meter session. And on the third or fourth uh, um, rep, I just began to feel the hamstring a little bit tight. And for the first time ever in about, what, 20 years of running, I stopped my session. I put my leg up on the rail and I began to stretch it out. Thought it was fine. And of course, once I started running up, absolutely gone session over and I needed to rest for about a week because I did a static stretch in the middle of a session and probably what was causing that hamstring and causing that discomfort because I had overstretched it probably in football or overused it probably in the football match the day before I was doing the same thing again I was overstretching it again in the middle of, of a session so that was the only time I did a static stretch and a static stretch anywhere near um, the start line of a race or in the middle of a session and it didn't end well yeah yeah and if you ever have spasm like that that's caused from like you know if it is from the gym or from run just just read like go for like for a hockey ball like release try and release it off like with there's probably more like trigger points in it than like the muscle being tight say but like most people can put in static stretching if they put it in where you normally would think of putting it in where it's like Say if you have an area that's tight, well, just like if you warm up, so you do your jog, then you can like hold your static stretch. Say it might be your hip flexors. If you're sitting, you might do a hip flexor stretch just to open up, but then go into like your, your more like dynamic exercises, like your high knees, your bum kicks with like dynamic stretching then. So, um, or if you're driving to a race, you know, I'll I'll often I will nearly always have my like hockey ball with me or a foam roller. Yeah. So if I have like, you know, if you're getting to a race before you you have to start your warm up, like that's a great way. That's a great time then to like just release off your hips again. You know, you're like using the hockey ball in the middle of my bum on the side, say where the glute medius is, in 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 around the stomach where the hip flexor is. You know, releasing those things off might be do like a static stretch, not forcing it, but then like then start your warm up you know whereas um you know people just always have you, you don't static stretch in your warm up it's like yeah you can if you put it in at the at the right time and do what normally people do you know yeah. which would 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 be jog then do a little bit of a static stretch then start doing like more of your dynamic exercises like your high knees bum kicks you know then start uh doing like dynamic stretching and then you're just doing some strides for potentiation um to get ready and then like one bit of research that i do recommend that people don't do is like try to do a a longer stride about 10 minutes out from your race so like say at race pace even for a marathon someone was asking me i would do like an eight minute five to eight minutes of a warm-up a mm. little bit of your stretching and then i would just do like one 30 second uh stride at marathon pace yeah because especially if you're if you have to then go you're standing in the line that at least then what they found with that is it it opens up um your vo2 max capacity you know we have like getting your second wind and hurling it's that idea that like 
once you've opened up the lungs, it can it takes the lungs only six seconds to get back up to 100% VO2. Whereas yeah. if you haven't opened it up, it can take like 30 to 50 or say nearly 30 to 50 seconds, depending. Um, and if you can think about it, like you want to be able to kind of get into your rhythm quickly. If, you, if you're if you a minute or two minutes in a, in a marathon getting up to the breathing, it can kind of nearly panic, you, especially, panic, especially when at the start, when you kind of want to just get out, get strong and, and get into your rhythm. Yeah, I've seen it um, on a lot, say, in the trial races for the Irish mountain running teams over the years, where just before the gun goes and a couple of minutes beforehand, you'll see all the front runners that actually go maybe 50 or 60 metres up that first hill just to get acclimatised to the effort that they're going to um, face over the first couple hundred metres. And, and it works very, very well because the, the last thing you want to do in a, in a mountain race like that is attack that first hill without activating those climbing muscles, if you like. So it, it's a very good tip. Um, only, you've been very busy over the years. You're, you're as prolific off the track as you are on it. And you've also produced what looks like a very helpful book for, I'd say, the majority of people who are working in offices and buildings, etc. Your book is called Secrets of a Healthy Spine. And it's it's about just helping people prevent back pain and more importantly for us runners, um, keeping us healthy and how sitting in an office all day might affect our training. I appreciate there's probably a lot of good information in the book but it, it may be a, a brief summary of what people can find and a couple of quick tips if you can yeah definitely thanks uh yeah it's it's just baffling how how uh, poorly back pain is dealt with so um one really good tip is like if you have if you have any like sciatica or any kind of if your back pain is bad in the morning if you have your porridge on open up your like hall door and power walk swinging your arms from your microwave to say your front door for like the minute or two that your porridge is on or the other thing i'd recommend is like lying on your stomach and like in a press-up position but keeping your hips essentially on the ground and just extending up your elbows so you'd be arching your back repeating that say 10 times and what that does is like in the morning because we're sleeping the discs take on uh, additional fluid so it's like if you have a bottle that's full like if I press that bottle at all, the water is going to spray out. Mm. Um, so it's the same. If the disc is big, it doesn't take much for the, the pressure to be pushed out of it, like, you know, and pushed back on the nerve. So just doing those extensions or power walking, really swinging the arms like you were in the military, um, it can kind of just support the spine and take a little bit of pressure off. And then that really helps like that first hour in the morning is really important. The other thing is keeping that natural spine. A lot of us sit a lot. So I'd have a towel rolled up. I'd sit right back into the chair and then in that smaller back, roll up a towel or a jumper. So it stays in that slight arch that you're not like completely collapsing in. Yeah. Or what you can do also is like go to the edge of the chair, drop one knee to the ground so that you're essentially into like a hip flexor stretch and you can open that up, hold that for two minutes and then switch to the other side. Um, so, yeah, there's just like, look, it, it's just a couple of little tips, like what are a couple of, uh, I've done a lot of articles for different papers, like newspapers throughout the years. So I've just taken the best like um, articles I've written on back pain and put them in there. So yeah. you can get that, I think, at like uh, backawarebelt.com slash healthy spine 
Okay, super. And um, maybe the, the last area owned that we can touch on just for, for this talk anywhere is, is I think maybe your own training. And you mentioned to me that you train in five zones and how for you, it's actually very important to be hitting those five zones every week in training and the importance of not running hard. It's something that, yeah, once again, I'm totally agree with you. I'm a big believer in it and controlling the intensity of those um, um, training sessions. Maybe talk to us if you could about how you divide out those five zones and how much um, time you spend in those five zones in your own training and what you would recommend to people. Yeah, so the five zones would be like, it's just the idea of you should always have a goal for the run that you're doing. Cause a lot of times I find that especially like your non like elite runners, they, they go into a lot of gray zones. So they'll, they'll essentially be running like hard recovery, you know, like, so they'll go out for a run and it'll feel very hard. And you'll ask them like, all right, is that your, is that your session? No, no. All right. Are you doing a steady run? No, not really. But, but it kind of felt hard. So it's just like, you need to be intentional about what you're doing um, and then allow you to set the scene. So zone one is recovery. So that's essentially like our, our normal runs. The goal of that run is to get like, you know, your time on your feet, you get recovered from the other sessions and you're also still getting that little bit of an aerobic stimulus. You can run these at any, really at any pace. Um, you shouldn't need a heart rate monitor to know what that zone is. You should just do it off field. I'll, I'll do that, with, you know, on our Sunday long run, on uh, Mondays, on on Tuesdays, sometimes depending on the time of year, because I'll talk about Tuesday can be sometimes. So that's just like your easy long run again, or your easy run pace. Don't, it shouldn't be overly forcing this. So obviously anytime you run, your legs are going to be a little bit, you know, tired at the end of the run, but it shouldn't feel like I was working hard at all. The second zone then, right, and this is based off your your lactic curve. So if you when you start running on a lactic threshold test, you're like as the speed increases, your heart rate increases and your breathing increases, like the, the rate of your breathing increases. But you're still 100 percent aerobic. Like when we take like a little bit of lactic from your ear, from your che- checking your blood the lactic hasn't in, increased. So that tells you that's 100% aerobic. Now, if you get, you go faster, your breathing, your heart rate increases, but you're still like 100% aerobic. But you'll get to a point, usually at like, for some people, if their heart rates are low, it can be as low as kind of like a 135, 140. If people have high heart rates, that it can be up to about 155. But there is a point where you aren't, like their lactic has gone up a little bit and that's called the aerobic threshold. Um, and that indicates the first point where you're not 100% aerobic. You're now like maybe 95% aerobic or 90% aerobic and 10% anaerobic. Now it's still very predominantly aerobic. Like I, me and you own could go for a run together. We'd still be able to chat on the run, but we just have to concentrate like, you know, we just concentrate slightly on it, you know, so that's our steady pace. Um, if you did one lactic test ever in your life, it would give you these zones. Lactic tests are usually about 100 euros, max 150. I'd recommend everybody to get them and have a yeah. heart rate strap. You know, if you're going out running, it's just it's just so worth it. As I said, go to any university, they'll do it for you. Um, but that's zone two. So zone two 
if you didn't do a lactic test, which look, I don't care if you're going out even three times a week for the sake of it, just get a test. You know, it's like you spend a hundred quid on something stupid. Yeah. Um, so they're not expensive and you'd have the results, as I said, but it would be just like that. You'd have to slightly concentrate slightly. It's still an easy run, but like a, a steady, easy run, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I think the majority of people don't, they find it so hard. And listen, this was me uh, when I was starting off on as well. So hard to, to go out for a run and come back actually nearly refreshed and relaxed after the run, as opposed to always having a tangible result at the end of every run, you're sweating, you're tired. Oh, I ran a new PB over that section. And people try to do that nearly every day of the week. And it's yeah. just not sustainable. You might get away with it for a couple of weeks or it's you know, over the first maybe couple of months if you're a fairly young athlete and just starting off, but you'll hit a glass even very, very quickly. Yeah, exactly. Because like, as you said there, like, especially with Strava now, you're like, you know, sometimes people can just think, oh crap, it'd be nice to be putting this time up. But if you're down for an easy long run, that's what it is. It's like, it's an easy long run. That's like, so the goal is, all right, I need to just have time on feet. And then the other goal is to recover. So I'm okay for like, say Monday or Tuesday when I'm going to do a workout, but people can kind of go be working hard and not go in zone one. So maybe they're in zone two a lot. And then it comes to the time of the session and they're still a bit tired. So then the quality of the the session kind of goes down because, or as you said, they keep doing that for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden they don't know why they're really getting sore or really kind of feeling tired. And it's like, well, you're not, you're not hitting specific times. So zone three would be marathon pace then. Yeah. Um, so marathon heart rate is it's called intensive aerobic. Again, so for all of your listeners, they'll they'll know what their marathon pace is. If they knew what their heart rate was at marathon pace, that's the that's the um that's the effort that you should be doing. Now, um, and then zone four is lactic threshold pace. That's the last time you can be aerobic. And then after that, it's VO2 max. Um, and what where we're going to use these ones, you're going to have your aerobic, your recovery runs, where again, you're just running, you should feel easy. You shouldn't be pushing these. Zone two, depending on the distance, is going to be important. If you're a trail runner, um, I am like if you once you go above a marathon distance, zone two is going to be race pace, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have to do one session. Sorry, you're going to have to do one session in the week that is zone two. Um, and then you're going to have one session in the week that's going to be a zone three, max, max zone four. And then, as you said, it's that that's why the, the importance of strides for your injury prevention and your um, running economy comes in. Because if you think the distance is so high, you know, you, you need to more practice your fueling, practice the race pace, and then maybe practice a little bit quicker, which is zone three or zone four, where sometimes people can go. Um, and then if we drop down to even a marathon distance, what can happen is people are doing, say, a lactic threshold session and they might get caught in with someone else. Um, they're like, it doesn't feel exceptionally hard. But remember, aerobic is like, less than 80% to 85% effort. Mm -hmm. So once you kind of go above that effort, say you're doing mile repeats or you're doing, even you're doing like say 20 minutes of a tempo, 
but the tempo at the end is like really like you're at now race like a 10k race pace or people are going out hard what's happening there is you're going into anaerobic and you can like you're going too hard so you're going into the 90 percent now you cannot improve aerobic which your distance is if you're going over 5k by -hmm. training anaerobically it's like me saying can you get a car ready for the le mans 24 hour race and you build me a formula one car it's like yes it took a lot of effort yes the car looks great you are doing the training, but that's the wrong type of car for the race I want. So you're training hard. You, people like it's it, it's uh, it's so counterproductive. People digging in at the end of sessions and um, thinking, yeah, no, I really tried hard there. I really grinded my teeth. It's like those last few those last few reps you did were actually counterproductive because you're not working your aerobic system. You would have been better off in the last few reps, actually intentionally trying to go slower, working on your breathing, because then you would have been 100% aerobic, as opposed to you went, say, the last couple, last two miles, you really dug in, you went into like anaerobic, and now you're not improving the aerobic system. Yeah. And I think for anybody, say, on that comes off the mountains in their down season and they're maybe training for the local 5K park run or a local 5K or 10K race, would you agree that there's actually probably only a limited amount of weeks that you can be working in zone four and zone five before you begin to go stale? before you need to go back and rebuild for the next block of training. And I just, I'd be interested to just hear your own experience over the years when you're getting ready for the track season, when you're getting ready for your, your sub four minute miling, um, were you very strict in that in terms of only maybe five or six weeks of quality, quality top end zone four, zone five work? Yeah, you know exactly, Owen, because you, you've kind of come from that background as well. It's like, you can only peak for like, you're talking like three weeks, really. But like, as you said, six weeks, you might have like three of a prep, uh, three of a kind of like speed and taper. And then you, you're like, you're you're kind of done in like a week or two then. Like, you know, you'll have to come back. And I would say for people doing trail running, if they drop down, they, they shouldn't be doing really anything over like lactic threshold because do a couple of, like what they might do is like say, a mile at lactic threshold uh, and then maybe some like minute efforts at the 5k pace and then another mile at lactic threshold because they're the thing they're good at is aerobic and as well like there's a thing called the acute to chronic workload ratio which means that like it's not a lot of times the load you're doing the distance it's acute spikes in the, in their load or the pace so if you're not if you're used to doing like say trail running which is you know slower like up and down uh a lot more like muscular strength which is great that's not like flat 5k running so you kind of just want to like do really gentle exposures to that allow your body just to get used to it easy but stick to your strength which will be the the aerobic muscular strength and then the aerobic actually strength from the mountains you know if as you said if they start doing a lot of zone five interval running they're going to fry themselves way too, way too early. Yeah. Um, Owen, it's been a wonderful chat. And I'm just conscious not to overload um, this episode with too much information as well, because I'd love to get you back on the show maybe in a couple of months time and, and take a deeper dive on some other topics as well. But I can't let you go on without asking you, maybe what, what has been 
maybe your, your favorite race over over the last nearly 20 years, as we mentioned there? Because normally when we see each other, well, we might see each other at the start of a race or at the end of a race, and it's a bit of a nod, well done, good to see you on, fair play. But I'd love to maybe, you know, ask you what, what your favorite um, result or race has been, because it's an incredible CV, as I mentioned. Yeah, thanks so much, Tony. I said, um, uh, you're always a gent on the, the the racing circuit. So, And it is funny, you see guys for over 20 years, but you just kind of <laughs> be in your own zone for the races, can't you? Yeah, um, yeah. I have two favorite races, I think. I'd have a couple, but um, I'd have three, actually. But two I really like would be when I broke the four-minute mile, because you know yourself, and like for most races, even when you run a PB, you're delighted, but you're always like, oh my God, imagine if I had gone this a little bit quicker or what's next, where that was really like a definitive, like same when I broke 14 actually, and 30 was nice as well, where there's just a definitive goal to do. And mm. then you hit that goal. So like, you know, it was in Dublin, all my friends were there. Like we went out that night and it was just such a, like I had run four minutes 00.6 the year before and you're like oh, I got very close to that and um then to actually do it was was brilliant the second one was um when I was like 18 I my brother qualified for an Irish trip when he was like 14 and he always kind of just rubbed my face in it like you know he just come mm-hmm. down in his Irish tracksuit eat his breakfast not say a word and go back up like so <laughs> just like just you know banter like um yeah. So I had it in my head, oh, I just want to run for Ireland one time and it took like three, four years, still hadn't done it. And then was I I had ran point, 151.4 uh, and the qualifying at that time was 151.3. And I was like, oh my God. And kept running, you know, running against you around that time and like getting close, but not getting it. And then the deadline is closed, but for some reason they opened it up for someone else. Uh, there, so. I was allowed to have one more race. I went over to the triple A's uh, in England was like, I just flew out like really early in the morning. The hotel wasn't ready. So I had to sleep under a tree for the whole day. No, nothing really around. So I just had like KFC and like I came out then and the, you know, it was just that evening time. The sun was just setting on the track and it was just so nice. I just remember going, I was like, I think I'm going to do it today. And like the race was an absolute dream and qualified for Ireland for the first time. And it's funny, it's like, that's now literally we're coming on like 18 years ago. And I still yeah. get that kind of buzz. I still was smiling to myself there when you said like, what's your favorite race? It's like, you know, the th- great thing with running is that like, we've all known there's so many crap races. You have so many times that it's crap, but it's like, you, just, you get these little glimpses of like nice races every so often uh, that just keep you going. And I'm sure, yeah, they, they keep you going. And that's what I was going to maybe just finish off the interview on. Oh, and they, they absolutely keep you going because the, the last time we raced was against, uh, against each other in the Raffarnham 5K back in September, which you won. And uh, you had a great crew of young Kilkenny lads, which is well that day. And uh, we, we were good at the Raffarna boys that you took the team title from us that day as well. You, you totally took us on the hop. So you're still running so strong, as I mentioned. Um, what, what's up next? Um, I, I'm not too sure it will ever see you in the Eco Trail Wicklow like, like Joe Warren over 80k. But I'm sure you still have lots of um, of big plans and ambitions for the next couple of years. Yeah, I was talking to Joe, actually. He's going back on the trails soon now. He wants to qualify oh, for the we'll trail see race, him soon. So yeah, yeah. 
he's going back. He's doing a lot more trail running now in the next while. So you'll see him popping up again. Uh, I have the World Masters on in Poland in like three weeks. So really looking forward to that. Brilliant. Good luck at that. Yeah, so brilliant. Uh, well, listen, hopefully you'll, you'll get the get the Irish flag up on the podium own at least. Uh, I've no doubt that's uh, that's one of the targets that you have. Uh, and a real pleasure to have you on. And um, if anybody needs um, some physio work done, um, whereabouts are you based on? I'm based in Kilkenny. Uh, to be fair, I don't have many appointments. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're too busy training. So. Uh, yeah. But look, um, if people want it, I, was, I think that's great. Sometimes... Um, if people had specific questions, as you said, I'd love to come back on, you know, if people had specific questions, maybe put them into own and uh, we can then both go over them together. Cause as I said, you have such great knowledge yourself own. So it'd be great to kind of like uh, go back and forth and what uh, advice we give to people. If they had a Q and A, I'd love to do that again. Yeah. Great. Listen, all. thanks a million. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And I look forward to standing on the start line against you sometime soon again, mate. Take care. Thanks a million. That's a wrap, everyone, for this week. Many thanks to Owen for coming on the show this week and to Rene from Running Coach Ireland earlier on as well. A shout-out to the EcoTrail Wicklow team before we go who launched their race this year taking place on September 30th in Bray. The team there had their launch event in Paris over the weekend at EcoTrail Paris, which looked absolutely fantastic. And I'll be looking forward to cheering everyone home in Bray on the microphone in Wicklow in September. That's a wrap, everybody. Bye for now. Have a superb week training everybody and just a reminder to pop over to patreon to help support the trail running ireland podcast if you get a chance many thanks guys everybody get your running gear on let's go